Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Bioptimizers, an incredibly longtime sponsor of this podcast because they have amazing products that you continue to buy because they work. I think every one of my clients is certainly on masszymes. I take that consistently every day. I like to take a lot. I like to take five in the morning on an empty stomach and then three to four with each of my high protein containing meals. This really help, helps me extract the protein from the meat and the ultimate protein sources that I'm consuming rather than just eating it and assuming that my body's going to utilize it. I want to make sure that my body can digest, absorb, and assimilate all these highly cost, uh, high cost proteins and high quality proteins that I'm consuming. It's not just about what you consume. It's about what your body can digest, absorb, and assimilate. So I highly suggest you head over to bioptimizers.com and use the code MUSCLE10 to get 10% off. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S, bioptimizers.com. Use the code MUSCLE10. They've also got an incredible suite of incredible products from P3OM to support digestion, KPEX to support people on a ketogenic diet. And you guys all know my incredible... Uh, how much of an incredible fan I am of their product, um, Magnesium Breakthrough, which is seven different magnesium chelates. Um, and they're also expanding their line consi- consistently every year with research and doing incredible products. You guys get hooked up with 10% off all of their products. Head over to buyoptimizers.com and use the code MUSCLE10. Today, I wanted to dive into upper body training, at least week one of upper body training. There'll be multiple weeks of upper body training. Because there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of nuance just trying to understand how to optimize upper body training. And I want you guys to all acknowledge that upper body doesn't e- eliminate the lower body. So just because I'm training my biceps doesn't necessarily eliminate the requirement of the lower half, especially if I'm standing, right? So when, when I train barefoot, I'll do biceps barefoot and triceps barefoot. And all, everyone's like, what are you doing? Why do you take your shoes off to go train your biceps? Why do you think? Because when we're training our upper body, there's a lot of consideration around stability of the pelvis. If I, don't have, if I have an instability of my lower body, meaning my feet are wobbly, then my pelvis isn't stable. If my pelvis isn't stable, my spine and trunk isn't stable. My trunk and spine aren't stable, then I don't have maximum force output at my shoulders or my arms. So as you guys consider the interconnected nature of the entire body, always be aware of this reality that we must create stability to be able to create maximum muscle contraction. Standing on a BOCE ball to train with with resistance is, I don't want to say it's stupid, but it's not valuable from a perspective of force output. So if we're trying to build muscle, our objective exclusively is maximum force output, right? It's it's like first directing the force to the right place. We'll talk about that. And then it's maximizing it, right? So like if I want the biceps to work and I want to grow the biceps, first I have to make sure the biceps is doing the greatest amount of work. And this is just, a, just an example. It can be applied to any body part. But if I'm doing a biceps curl, for example, there's a bunch of other muscles that can contribute to that exercise. So let's give you an example. Let's say I'm doing, eliminate the bicep example. Let's say I'm doing a, a bench press. And I want to use my pec, right? If I'm going to, or, or my lat or whatever, let's use the bicep or the, the uh, chest press as an example. If I'm doing a chest press and I'm trying to maximize the, the, the growth of that muscle, logically then it would say that I want the muscle that I'm training to do 100% of the work, right? Or as close to 100% of the work as possible. It's literally impossible for it to do 100% of the work, but I want it to do the greatest percentage of the work possible. 
right? So if I'm doing a bench press, let's say I have a hundred pound dumbbell in my hand, I want to go, okay, what body position do I need to be in to make sure that this pec is doing as close to hundred percent as possible and not something else take over? You guys with me? So we'll get into a little bit of nuance around that too, but even backing up another step. So as we kind of, as we work up the chain and we go, hey, I want to create maximum force at whether it be my, when I say upper body, let's incorporate lats, traps, rhomboids, delts, pecs, biceps, triceps. So you got like seven or eight different body parts. And so all of those are incorporated here, regardless of which one I'm training. The first thing I want to be considerate of is my posture, structural balance. Okay. So as you guys sit there or stand there, I want you to create structural balance in your posture. It doesn't matter if you're seated or standing, both of them are, are valuable. Structural balance means the position of optimal posture requiring the least amount of energy to sustain it. So what does that mean? Least amount of energy to sustain it. If I'm slouched forward and I'm, and I'm really rounded like this, all the muscles of my back have to, have to work to try to hold me up. So the, the least amount of energetic output actually comes when you're in vertical alignment, right? So vertical up and down, vertical alignment. What does that mean? I want my spine to be properly aligned. I want my rib cage and my pelvis to be stacked. Can you guys all try that? Whether seated or standing, go ahead and put your rib cage and your pelvis in a stacked position. So not arched, not slouched. I want you to be aware of how it feels to be stacked. And here's how I make sure that I'm stacked. I take a big breath in through my nose and I try to fill my lower lungs of my, of my lower lobes of my lungs. So So by starting to breathe into the lower lobes of the lungs, I can actually start to feel, is the breath balanced left to right? Is it balanced front to back? So by breathing deeply down into your belly, like really down into your lower abdomen, we can start to feel what part of the, the abdomen is, is, is contracting more versus less. Is there a differential in where the tension goes? Why does this matter? Because if we want to generate maximum force output in the upper body, you must treat your, your trunk and spine like a column, right? If the column is, is, is misaligned, let's say this is a column and it's doing this or doing this, then you're going opposite directions. You lose stability, therefore you lose force output. Stability governs contraction. Stability governs contraction or contractility. So if we lack stability, even if it's small percentages in loss, then we lose the ability to contract. The prerequisite to growth is stability. So actually, there's, there's multiple prerequisites to growth. If you guys want to write down some sound bites, mobility, stability, and skill are the exercise prerequisites to growth. Mobility, stability, and skill are the exercise prerequisites to growth. So I need to be able to move into position. If I can't get into a position, I can't train a muscle. I need to be able to stabilize, which is effectively the ability to not move. And then I need the skill to be able to, to move through space and time while maintaining tension on a specific muscle. Now, mobility, stability, and skill are all a sliding scale. If I can do it with 10 pounds, that doesn't necessarily qualify me to do it with 100 pounds. 
So every time I add new elements, new elements of complexity or challenge, I have to retest my ability. It doesn't mean, does that make sense? If I can do a 50-pound dumbbell press, that doesn't necessarily mean I can do the same skill on a 60. It just doesn't, doesn't transfer that directly. Eventually, it will because your nervous system will get it. But in the beginning, I want you guys to start considering structural alignment as the prerequisite to all movements that you do, right? So when you create this structural alignment, you're ultimately creating peak levels of stability because that's where your body is most stable. Okay, so everything you do starts there, whether it's a bicep curl, whether it's a bench press, whether it's a squat, start at structural alignment. Now, some of you guys go, well, my coach used to tell me to squat and stick my ass out and drive my chest up. And it's, it's just completely wrong, right? I don't care who your coach has been in the past. Like structural alignment is, is not an arguable thing. Like if you take your body out of structural alignment, the only way that makes sense is if we, sometimes with like really massive power lifters, they're just trying to decrease the distance. So like a big arch in your bench press would be an example. It doesn't necessarily mean they're stronger in that position. What they're doing is they're creating leverage and decreasing the distance. They're not necessarily stronger. Okay. So that, that would be where there's nuance. First thing you guys want to do is go, how can I create the most stability possible? So if I stand up and I'm doing a, a bicep curl, the first thing I'm doing, you guys can't see me very well, but like I'm standing up and I'm, and I'm rooting my feet into the ground. I'm like trying to anchor my feet into the ground. Like I'm literally trying to grow roots into the ground, trying to really, really wedge into the ground with my feet. So then that forces me to contract with my glutes, my quads, and my hamstrings into the ground. So if you were to run into me from the side right now, like you could run into my leg, you could run into my hip, you could run into my shoulder. I'm not moving. You could try to shove me. I'm not moving. I'm rooted like an athlete, right? Like an athlete trying to, to play a sport. I'm athletic. My knees are slightly bent, but I'm deeply rooted into the ground. That gives me this stable foundation from the bottom up to allow me to start generating maximum force. From there, I'm trying to create stability in my glutes, in my abdominals, my trunk and spine. So then, so now I'm braced from literally here down, right? Everything from this point down is literally bl- is braced. It's like locked in stone. Now the, mo- the motion can happen at either a single joint or multiple joints from this point up with me. So we're learning to create the ability to not move. It's important to acknowledge not moving is a very, very important skill in exercise. So as you guys train, if you're looking to improve efficacy and output, strive for greater amounts of stability. I have a client in my coaching from Czech Republic, and this guy sends me videos two or three times a week. And I won't say his name. It's not on his call, but I won't say his name. And he's probably capable of 50% more than he actually does when he trains, but he doesn't understand yet the concept of stability. So what I want you guys to do, all of you guys do this, you can do it now and you can do it every time you step into the gym. I want you to imagine that you have, let's say you can curl, let's say we have twice as much weight as your single rep max. So let's say you're going to do a, you're going to do a bench press. Let's say for this example, do a bicep curl just because I can visually show it. So if I'm going to do a bicep curl, I want to imagine, normally I curl like, let's say about 40, 50 pounds. Let's say I have 80 in my hand. I want you guys to all do this. Grab a pencil or imagine you have a pencil in your hand or imagine you have a dumbbell in your hand. And I want you to double the maximum amount of weight you can normally hold. And I want you just to to start by holding it at 90 degrees. 
So how much tension and force can you put through that bicep as though it's an 80-pound dumbbell or as a 40 or 50, whatever it would be, twice your maximum weight? Try that. And so now try to direct the tension so you're not putting more tension through your hand or your wrist than you are your bicep. Your bicep should be the part of your body that's contracting the most. Now, if someone, if you can't feel it there, take it up into the short position. So like forearm touches the bicep and stay there a little bit longer. You may be, it may be useful for you to actually come into a little bit of shoulder flexion. So the shoulder comes up a little bit. So you'll start to feel the bicep contract. We really want to make sure you get like a, almost a crampy feeling in that bicep. Okay, you guys feel that? Now ramp up that contraction. So right now, let's say you're at a five or a six out of 10. I want you to take it to like a seven or an eight out of 10. Maybe you take it to a nine out of 10. Maybe you take it to a 10 out of 10 and really, really squeeze and contract, right? So we're, we're directing tension. This is called top-down motor, upper motor neurons controlling lower motor neurons. So we're trying to create top-down control of the bicep contraction and really ramp it up. Like you have a huge amount of dumbbell in the hand. Now, you guys are contracting for what, 20 seconds or something like that. Hopefully by now you're starting to feel the biceps a little bit. And as we're training, I want you to conceptualize, regardless of the weight you have in your hand, we're trying to create maximum muscular tension on every inch of every rep. So everybody now, since we're doing the bicep, I want you to extend your arm. You can extend it to the side, you can extend it down, but your side doesn't matter. And I want you to contract your bicep as hard as you can without moving. So squeeze it. And from that position, now you're at, let's say you're at like a three out of 10, hold it at a three out of 10, just enough contraction to feel it. Now let's go to four out of 10. So it's a little bit more, five out of 10. Six out of 10. You'll notice around six out of 10, it starts to bend a little bit, doesn't it? But you got to contract the tricep to make sure it doesn't contract so it doesn't bend. So now keep going hard. It squeeze so hard now that the bicep starts to win the tug of war. So the bicep starts to squeeze and really start to pull in. Now that I'm at like a 10 out of 10, it's starting to move. Yeah, now go the opposite direction, but to make sure you contract the bicep in the opposite direction. So you're trying to keep attention on the bicep as you go the other way. So guys, what I want you to acknowledge is the ability to generate force, the ability to generate tension in a muscle without resistance. Obviously, we need resistance at some level to build muscle, but what we must learn how to do, or what I, what I suggest we learn how to do, is learn how to contract muscles in isolation without resistance, okay? So if you can't contract them without resistance, chances of you contracting them well with resistance is almost insignificant. So I want you guys to all play with learning to contract muscles from every aspect of the entire range of motion. Notice how we start at the lengthened position. We squeeze all the way in the shortened position. That's the same with every muscle. Every muscle in the body has a lengthened position or a stretched position, and it has a shortened position, a contracted position. And we need to get strong in every segment of that range of motion. Not just one segment, not just the part where I'm really good and it feels easy and great, the part where I'm not good. So the greatest opportunity in upper body development or in any body part development exists at getting stronger at the ends of the range. So if you guys get stronger in positions of weakness, intentionally training positions of weakness, your body will develop more effectively. Why? Not because that's necessarily the, the most correlated with growth, although I'll give you a nuance there in a second, but because when you get stronger at the extremes, you actually scale stability. Stability goes up because you're training these positions of weakness. And when, when, when stability goes up, muscle building goes up. Now, there's also some recent data that shows actually a, an increased muscular building capacity when training a muscle from its lengthened position. So when we train a muscle, we always want to be aware of taking it to a position where we feel a comfortable stretch. 
right? So, so let's say we're doing this bench press, right? Take it into a position where I feel a comfortable stretch. When I'm training, when I'm stretching my pec, I'm actually contracting its antagonist. So in this case, I'm contracting the real delts. I'm contracting the rhomboids. I'm trying to pull things back. I want to lengthen the pec out. And now before I move, I'm contracting the pec. The pec is starting to move, just like we did with the bicep, right? The pecs are squeezing. And I'm not just thinking about moving the weight from point A to point B. I'm thinking about contracting the muscle from lengthen to shorten, right? So what does that look like? This is, the, this is one end of the muscle. This is the other end of the muscle, right? This is your origin. This is your insertion. I literally want you to do this. So the motion is pull this end to this end, pull this end to this end, either one. I want you to have my upper pec fibers, it's here. I want you to have my lower pec fibers, it's here. So the path of motion of the arm determines the fibers that are going to get the greatest amount of direct stimulation. So I want to start paying attention to, and now here's, here's a, a little, another soundbite for you guys to remember. All these things that I'm talking about, how many times have I said, move the weight from here to there? How much weight is there? Right? It's like, no, no, we're thinking about an internal focus. Right? We're thinking about what's happening inside of our body. Challenge muscles, don't lift weights. I think lifting weights are great. Right? Two of our coaches are amazing weightlifters and powerlifters. But it's not the objective right? in this context. It may be objective in a different context. There's value in lifting weight if your form is excellent. But there's, in, in, with reference to, to hypertrophy or body transformation, the greatest opportunity exists in maximally challenging muscles uh, against resistance, right? So I want to maximally contract muscles against load. If you want to pick up something really heavy, and it was well, not in the gym, let's just say like I throw a big boulder on the floor. What does your breathing intuitively, instinctually look like? What's the first thing you do when you when something either, when you're, you're trying to move or you're trying to lift something up? Right? It may or may not be that aggressive, but it's always, and then I'm going to move. Why do you do that? Why do you think that happens? Two real reasons why that happens. One, your diaphragm expands to create more stability in the thorax. So I need to fill my lungs to create internal stability in the thorax. The other reason why I breathe in on exertion is because I'm, I'm stimulating my sympathetic nervous system. So I go, right? So if I bend over, even if I was like, I'm, I don't know, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm like bend over to pick up my sock. It's like, that's, you know, that's what you do because your, your body's creating stability, right? So the reason we create stability is because, as I said, stability is the prerequisite to the ability to lift anything, okay? So always keep in mind, where is my, where is my um, breath as far as am I inhaled or am I exhaled during the rep? Now, this is a little bit nuanced because there, some people say I should be exerting when I'm, uh, or sorry, exhaling when I'm exerting. So I guess I want you guys all to acknowledge this. I want everybody on the count of three to blow all of your air out slowly, not too slowly, but slowly enough, and just acknowledge what happens to your spine. So on the count of three, one, two, three. What does your spine do? Before you answer, now take a deep breath in. What happens to your spine? You notice any difference? Yeah. Exhale, slouches forward a little bit. Inhale, extends. Yeah. So do you think that matters when you're lifting? So let's say, I'm, let's say I'm squatting, let's say I'm bench pressing, let's say I'm deadlifting. Does the orientation of my spine matter? Of course. Do I want to be here? Slouched over? Do I, right? So one, everyone starts from a different position. That's important to acknowledge. Two, the amount of inhale 
So whether you're preferencing an inhale strategy or you're preferencing an exhale emphasized strategy can completely change your posture in the exercise. So it's important that you guys acknowledge that just because someone in the past has said you should be exhaling and exerting doesn't mean they know anything about what they're talking about when it comes to optimization of biomechanics. Okay, so optimization of movement should be at the top of order of priorities. So if I exhale, let's, let's say, let's take lats, for example. If I'm trying to train my lats, do I want my spine to be flexed forward? I want my lats to be extended, right? Lats are spinal extensors. So I want to be extended. And as I, as I exhale, I'm going to go... Right. So we talk about breathing. That's the opposite of what most people would advocate when it comes to back training. Right. So most people would say, exhale, exhale when you're exerting, but it's doing opposite of what you should be. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of nuance here, guys. I want to be able to generate as much internal stability as someone else can generate using the wall. Right. Like I want to be unbendable. That's my, that's my personal goal. Like if I'm trying to create force output, I don't want to need the wall. I don't want to need the bench. Like I want to be so uh, strong, positionally strong, that I can generate just as much force without the need for the wall or the bench. But ultimately, it's a really great thought process. It's a really great asset to realize if I want to increase the amount of work to this muscle and I can use the wall, the bench or whatever, use it. But always just be aware of the aspiration. The best example that I can give you, squat, hack squat right? Squat, completely internally stable. And there's nothing outside of you except for the floor, right? The hack squat, completely externally stable, right? Everything from, from, from your pelvis to your head is externally stabilized. So which one do you think you can lift more weight on? The hack squat by exponential numbers, typically, right? Because you have so much more external stability. Personally, I want to be able to do about the same. I can't, but I want to be able to do about the same. I aspire to that. Maybe when I was competing, it was close, but even still, probably not. But the goal is the, the bigger the differential between externally stabilized and internally stabilized, in my experience, the more likelihood for injury. I'm going to say that again. So if there's a huge differential, let's say I can do 10 plates on a hack squat and I can only do two plates on a squat. That means I have a huge amount of output with this externally stabilized, but I don't have a huge amount of internal stability. Injuries are almost certain. One thing I've been playing with a lot, actually, and I did this back in my career, but I'm playing with a lot lately, is, is going to a position of weakness, or, or let's say the most challenging position in an exercise, and staying there and saying, okay, I'm going to stay here for 30 seconds. And I'm not talking with like baby weights, right? So let's say you go to the bottom of the squat, and you just stay, just hang out there 20 or 30 seconds. And it's not passive, right? It's like creating as much muscular work as you can. Or I'll go to the top of a pull-up. And I'll stay there as long as I can, or the bottom of a deadlift, but I'll be an inch off the floor, or you know, the bottom of a bench press, but I'm not resting at the bottom halfway through a bench press. And and I'm thinking of like, how can I make myself positionally stronger? If I can get positionally stronger at the hardest part of the exercise, logically, the whole exercise is going to get better. So typically they say isometrics don't really have cross transfer as far as like if I'm if I'm getting stronger in one position, the other points don't necessarily get stronger. I tend to believe that's only, that that is true, but not necessarily when you're challenging the, the hardest position of the exercise. Because in general, if you're if you're getting better at the hardest position of the exercise, the rest of the exercise is usually not the limiting factor, right? The body. So you look for like what is the part of this exercise that that I'm weak at, and spend time there. 
and simply like get better and better and better at contracting in that position. Now, I'll also say, this is very, very common, that sometimes the muscle you're training isn't the thing that's holding you back from progressing. An example, if I'm doing a bicep curl, and, I, I'm, I, and I'm, let's say I'm doing a 30-second isometric hold on a bicep curl, and my shoulder does this, and I can't keep my shoulder in a, in a, in a stable position, my bicep isn't the weakest link in this exercise. My shoulder is the weakest link in this exercise, right? So that's just an example of like maybe just staying in that position and forcing myself to create stability through that shoulder allows the shoulder to be stronger, which then allows the bicep to actually be the weakest link in the exercise. So you're, you know, this is an important thing that, that most people don't know is if you're training an exercise, it doesn't necessarily mean you're actually getting a training effect in the muscle you're trying to train. So if I'm squatting, for example, and I want to train my quads. How many other things have to be there before I can effectively make my quads the thing that fatigue? So I have to have the mobility. I have to have the stability. I have to have the skill. I have to have the aerobic fitness. I have to have the, the, I don't know, the, the lower back strength and mobility and stability. I have to have the glute stability. I have to have the ankle mobility and stability. All of these other things, there's so many other variables and factors that have to be there before I can ultimately make my quads the thing that fatigue. Has anyone ever done a leg workout and been out of breath, right? Everyone? <laughs> yeah. So that tells you that your aerobic fitness is probably more of a bottleneck than your actual quads. So we want to always constantly be looking for this. Ask yourself this simple question. Why did I stop? That's probably the question that changed everything for me as I started to intentionally explore exercise. Why did I stop? And if you can be honest with yourself and start to objectively look through, okay, I stopped because of this, not because I'm not because of my bicep or my pec. I stopped because I lost focus. I stopped because of my aerobic fitness. I've got, I stopped because I lost stability. I stopped because I got a little sloppy in my form. But why did I get sloppy in my form? What was it that that broke before the actual muscle did? So there's a lot of nuance there, guys. Thanks for listening to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. For full episode guides with important takeaways and bonus resources, head over to muscleintelligence.com slash learn. If you enjoy the show and find value in the content, please subscribe, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love who would benefit from this content, leave us a review, and support our sponsors. You can see the full list of show sponsors, discounts, and get exclusive Muscle Intelligence deals at muscleintelligence.com slash resources. To join our private community and get VIP access to my masterclasses, upcoming muscle camps, and other resources that we don't post anywhere else, head to muscleintelligence.com slash community. Most of all, thank you very much for your trust, for your time, and most importantly, for supporting health and fitness in this world. Enjoy your day, and I look forward to seeing you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest 
interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.